Hey, are you ready to move your life? I mean, really move it? It's time to turn up the dial on your energy, your health, your sport performance, your happiness, and your relationships. If you want to live with more freedom, more adventure, more passion, more fun, and more success, if you're ready to get your brain in the game and achieve the most out of every area of your life, then it's time to move to live and live to move with your host, Jill Summers. Hello, you made it. You're here. You're in the right place if you're ready to dial up your life. This is Jill with Jill M. Summers Performance Coaching coming to you from Boulder, Colorado, here with Kim Taylor for the podcast series called Not in Kansas Anymore, Kim Taylor's Journey to Ironman, Arizona. Today, we're getting ready to discuss all that has happened in Kim's last week after her race and in her recovery. And we're going to begin with last week's thorn, bud, and rose. So as a reminder, the thorn is what's sort of agitating or irritating you right now. The bud is what are you looking forward to? And the rose is what are you celebrating? So last week, Kim, your thorn was all about fear of the unknown, the concern about not finishing. And the blood was <laughs> already looking forward to taper, <laughs> which is going to be in like seven weeks. And the, oh, well, less than that, less than that. And the rose is feeling good about your efforts in the race in Oklahoma City. Curious what has come up for you since then. And then we'll talk about what your new thorn button rose is. Well, I think we, we take that on. Thursday or Friday, I can't remember. And then I went out that weekend and had a long bike ride. And so my thorn was the the fear of the unknown, the I'm too slow uh, mental thinking. And we had a long discussion about that. And I went out on Sunday and had a really long bike ride that was very challenging and in the wind and uh, not real pleasant. And I was really slow and I kind of had an emotional and mental real breakdown. <laughs> um, after my ride on Sunday because it was slow and I was facing the I'm never going to make it in time thoughts most of the afternoon and so um, my thorn was alive and well even after having discussed it so much about what I need to do to overcome it it still was pretty active that last weekend so yeah and um but um looking forward to taper, which is good because I've got my kind of roadmap for the next few weeks. And so I have a date of when that might actually start. And you know, it is coming up. It'll be here before I know it. I've got a lot of work to do between now and then, but I'm still looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, my, I was, I'm still feeling good despite all my gremlins. If I'm too slow, I still feel really good about my effort up to this point. So yeah, we had a pretty powerful session, a private session on Tuesday about all that had come up for you uh, during your hard workout on Sunday. And one of the things that I reminded Kim about is all athletes have workout sessions that they just feel like they're never gonna get through. And they internalize the result of that, thinking that I'm never gonna be able to do this event, do this race, and 
do it well enough. And so it's a really common experience for athletes, endurance athletes, and I'm sure other um, athletes as well. So the reminder is that one bad workout does not define you. And this was a really, really important reminder. But then after the work that we did together on Tuesday, you had a light bulb about your attachment to the finish line. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, I think for, for a long time in my life, I have kind of never really allowed myself to want something uh, with much intensity. I've always left room for disappointment, like uh, a soft landing. So if, if what I want or want something to happen doesn't happen or doesn't work out like I want, it kind of mitigates that disappointment feeling. It kind of protects you and keeps you a little bit safe from from the negative emotion associated with not getting you know, what you want or in failure. That's been a life pattern for me. And the thing that Ironman has done is I have kind of gotten to where I've allowed myself to want this really bad. When you do that and you put yourself, you kind of put your heart out on the sleeve, the, the cliche, I guess, that you risk some serious downside if you are disappointed. And the attachment to that feeling of getting what I want and was really, really strong. And the fear of the disappointment is what's really driving a lot of my anxiety of the unknown outcome and being attached to finishing. Um, it's that unknown of, of the disappointment and that negative emotion that I've spent most of my life trying to avoid. I'm setting myself up for that now. And, um, you know, if I don't finish and it's disappointing, it's going to really, really sting. But getting to where I'm not attached to that and being okay with feeling that, because uh, that's, you know, you can temper your feelings, but then you don't have the good feelings either. And I'm putting myself out there to really feel good. And if it doesn't happen, then that's going to be. And it begs the question, how can I allow myself to really want something and at the same time let go of the outcome? Yeah, it's, um, it's something I'm still working on. <laughs> I don't have the total answers, but and it comes up a lot. And I think it's really driving my anxiety about race performance and my speed and on my meltdown at some of my workouts when they're not fast. And it's really that fear it really boils down to that fear of the disappointment because I have allowed myself to really want this. But as I've kind of discovered, that's really the beauty in this journey because that's one of the lessons that I needed to learn. And, and all of us, can I just say this is a human thing. How many of us want something so badly in our lives and yet we're afraid of not getting it so we talk ourselves out of wanting it? Yeah. Or say it's really not that big of a deal. Right. I'm not admitting you might want it, but I would, there's lots of things I would want, but I would never admit to myself. I want it. And I certainly wouldn't admit it to anyone else because then it exposes you too. If you're disappointed now, it's a public failure, not just a, a private one. So. And here you are publicly declaring this. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I, I even mentioned Tuesday when we were talking, I was like, Oh, uh, yeah, the feeling of, of doing this podcast after the race, if I don't finish, like that's going to be a new kind of exposed feeling for me too. So, right. but that's part of my growth. It's part of my 
learning process of doing this. And in, in all of the work that we're doing together, one of the big pieces is training and recognizing, understanding that the definition of success can be expanded. In other words, you're not just a success if you cross that finish line. The success has already come in the form of your ability to commit and dedicate and sacrifice for this journey. That is a tremendous level of success before you even got to the start line. And there's, it's going to take some time to continue to really open up and expand that definition of success and decrease the definition of failure. Because in many people's minds, they would think that not finishing is failure. And that's not the case at all. In the mind of the peaceful warrior, the mindful warrior, we understand that success comes in many, many different forms. It's not just about crossing that finish line. Right. And I get that. And I am very aware of the accomplishments that I've made up to this point in the journey and the growth and, and what I've gotten out of it that I will take beyond race day into my normal life moving forward. And it's a lot and I get that, but it's that whole growth isn't linear cyclical thing where, you know, you do have quite a few good moments, but those bad ones do still creep in and it, yeah. figuring out moving through them and, and having less of them and having them less last less time is the goal too. And so I'm getting better about not sitting in those moments, but you know, I still have them. Yeah. What's really exciting about what you just said is that I know you've done a lot of studying uh, with um, Joe Dispenza and Bruce Lipton's material, which is all about the plasticity of the mind and how their thought processes work. Can you share with us how those pieces have affected you and affected your journey even before you started the Ironman training and then how it's affecting you now during the Ironman training while you're making sense out of this success versus failure? I think the biggest thing really with, with Joe Dispenza uh, and Bruce Lipton is it's really about the power of the mind and how the mind really controls everything. And, you know, I'm a physician. I'm kind of into the whole scientific geeky kind of world. And in a few years ago, when people would approach me with, with comments about energies or, you know, your mind controlling things or chakras or whatever, I would always just kind of laugh and think, oh, you're just kind of nuts. I mean, that's just out there. But I read Joe Dispenza's book and it really brought things over into the whole quantum physics scientific approach. And really he was saying the same exact thing. And it really boils down to, we all are just energy and we all are controlled by our mind, that you can absolutely change the neural pathways in your brain to have a physical change in not only how you behave, but even in your health and in your physical capabilities. And you know, one of his books was just a long list of examples of people that have healed themselves and overcome things that seemed impossible just with the power of their mind. And so that is kind of where I've gravitated to in terms of really trying to be aware of my thoughts and whether or not they're serving my purpose or whether or not they're taking away from what I'm trying to do. 
And, um, you know, again, I'm not a hundred percent, but, but the point is, is that we can really make a lot of change just by shifting our thoughts and, and controlling our mind a little better. So well said. And I have been following their work as well. And it has become a really uh, strong foundation upon which I coach in the power of the mind. It's not just think positive thoughts all the time. That's not, not just the basis of it. But the idea too is that because the brain is malleable, it does change. It continues to change our entire life. And the thoughts that we think more often are the ones that get embedded and are easier to think on a regular basis. And that's one of the reasons why I talk often about repetition, 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 because the more you repeat something, the more you're going to embed it and it's going to be easier to think that same thought. Imagine this once. Imagine that you have to walk to your friend's house through the woods and there's no trail or there's no path. The first time you go through, you're kind of foraging through and you're walking around trees and you're walking over bushes and you're stepping over things and it's really kind of hard and you get there and you hang out with your friend and then it's later that night and you have to come home or you start walking back the way you came and there's a little bit of a path because you can see where you had come from. Well, then you go and you walk it the next day and there's already something that has been laid down and so it's a little bit easier to follow. And the more you're on it, the more there is a path that's very easy until before long it becomes three feet wide and it's been graveled and it's super easy and then before long it becomes some metaphorical of course it becomes uh, a super highway and that's the way things work in our mind in the way that the neuroplasticity continues to expand so what that means is that when you have a thought and you repeat it, it's like that path through the woods and it gets easier and easier to follow. Now, when it's a positive thought, that's a really good thing because then it's easier, and easier to think positive things. For example, I'm a good athlete. And the more you think that, the easier it is to continue to think that. Um, on the negative side, if you're thinking that you suck or that you'll never be fast or that you'll never be able to accomplish what it is that you want to accomplish in life, and you have those thoughts repeatedly, 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 then it's even easier to think those thoughts. So what our goal is, is to, to snuff out thoughts that keep us from expanding and growing and fuel the thoughts that make us continue to expand and grow. So I'm gonna circle back for a moment on one thing that you talked about just a little earlier in our call, and that was about operating out of disappointment. Like I was keeping myself going so that I wouldn't be disappointed. And that's such a common source of fuel for a lot of athletes. I'm just going to keep beating myself up so I'm not disappointed. But what has been found through lots and lots of research is that we actually are more successful when we encourage ourselves from a place of success. Like I'm really excited to be successful and I'm really excited to experience the joy of doing that and I'm really excited to get faster as opposed to oh my god I gotta make myself go faster otherwise I'm going to be disappointed and that falls in line with what I was just talking about with these neural pathways and being able to set ourselves up more easily the more we think those positive successful thoughts the less we're thinking the negative ones which are the ones that actually slow us down and hold us up. I would add to that that for the longest time, even in medicine, the idea was is that a lot of those neural circuits are formed early on and that they never change. And the whole term neuroplasticity is relatively new 
uh, in even the medical, Western medical world, neuroplasticity is a word that's coming out now. They're showing that yes, even as an adult, even people that are quote unquote set in their ways can change neural pathways. And it didn't really used to be the general thinking that that was possible. For a long time, I would say, oh, that's just who I am. That's how I'm wired. So reading Joe Dispenza really opened my eyes there in terms of, no, not necessarily because you can change that wiring and you can choose who you wanna be and you can change your thoughts to mold yourself into that. And even, you know, even with health, you know, people that would you know, tell themselves that they're sick or they can actually, their brain can actually make them sick if you have thoughts like that. Um, and in, in Western medicine, we have a term for getting well with a sugar pill sometimes, it's called the placebo. I mean, and, and you actually heal because you believe that you're taking a medicine that's gonna cure you, even though it's just sugar water. And so one of Dr. Dispenza's books actually is called Be Your Own Placebo. So yeah, it was real eye-opening there in that whole, well, that's just how I am, that's how I'm wired, I can't change thinking that I was stuck in for a long time. And, and we hear that a lot around us, don't we? Oh, that's just who I am. That's just who I am. People yeah. Are, yeah. I said it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That, that what you just talked about with the placebo effect reminds me of a, a study that I read. This is really fascinating. There was a uh, brain study that they were doing and a gentleman had Parkinson's disease really bad and they had tried a lot of different uh, healing methods with him and they, they finally said, to him, we have one more study that we want to do with you, but it does require for us to go in and do brain surgery. But we really believe this is going to be it. This is going to be the cure for you. And are you willing to do it? He said, yes, let's do it. So they prepped him. They, they talked about the, the whole procedure. They prepped him, got him all set. They got him into the emergency room. They uh, literally sawed basically into the his skull and they ended up just squirting salt water saline solution um, onto his brain but the whole time they were talking uh, to one another about the surgery and all the things that they were they were going to be doing and how it was going to affect him and then they closed him up they wheeled him back to his room let him get out of recovery when he came to they said it went perfect it was really awesome. They were really happy with everything that happened and they felt that he was going to automatically feel a difference the next day when he got up to walk. They had done nothing, literally had changed nothing, but they talked him through the procedure and they let him know that they thought it was going to be a complete success. The next day he was literally able to walk and did not have a shake, did not need a cane, able to perform his everyday capabilities and they had literally done nothing other than the power of suggestion. There's a lot of studies out there like that. There's one where they compared a group with arthritis in their knee and they had one group they actually did surgery on and one group that they opened up and closed back up but didn't do anything in the knee. And the group that didn't have anything done but just the opening and closing had dramatic improvements in their symptoms as well. So I mean, there, there are tons of studies like that. There's countless personal stories of, of healing with the power of the mind. And, you know, so yeah, it's a powerful thing. And that's one of the things that I want to incorporate in what I do when I get out of radiology into wellness is 
is kind of go down that mind body pathway and teach people to heal themselves with their with their thoughts so powerful it's so powerful have there been any other resources that have been really successful for you so we mentioned bruce lipton and joe dispenza's work what other sorts of resources have been uh, a, a great place of knowledge and encouragement for you for me besides my coach which we've had that conversation <laughs> life coach who's really good by the way I've seen her to say that has been a great has been a great resource but <laughs> I also have read a lot over the last three or four years and I've read a lot of books that kind of opened my eyes in, in areas that I previously wasn't looking at so reading was definitely a big resource and, and Dispenza was one obviously there's another author that I really like his name is Jeff Brown uh, Soul Shaping was the first book by him that I read that really opened my eyes. And what drew me to him was he was an educated, trained attorney in Canada and on a path to be a criminal law attorney and basically walked away from his law career to pursue what he thought his life calling was, which was to be a writer. And at the time, I was really struggling with if I wanted to stay in medicine because I was in a job that I didn't like and kind of sucking my energy and my soul. And I was really questioning what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And I just couldn't see myself staying in medicine. But again, that fear factor of making a change, you know, I'm never going to, I can't change. And this is just how it's going to be. I'm just going to have to live in this and make the best of it. And I was drawn to that book because here a lawyer and a, and a doctor are very similar in terms of the time it takes to be educated and, and you know, a career and to walk away from it, it attracted me to him. And so I read his book and it was kind of eye-opening in terms of just following your passion and, and living a purposeful life. And, and so now I'm kind of addicted to Jeff Brown. He's had several other books out. And I've read everything that he's done and just several books, some by Wayne, Wayne Dyer and, um, there was one, and you'll have to help me. I don't remember the name of the author. It was called The Big Leap. It was the first book that you ever had me read. And that, that made some impact too in terms of, uh, I think the, the biggest point I got out of that book was the idea of the ceiling that we impose on ourselves. And we get to that ceiling and then we do something to bring us back down. And the effort and the, uh, that you can punch through that ceiling and, and and move beyond it, but most people kind of bump up against their self-imposed ceiling and, and never get past it. And so reading has been a big thing. There's been a lot of books. So there's been some on you know religion and spirituality and some on self-help type books and you know, others, but I would say reading has been the biggest resource for me. Kim, many people believe that changing your life is challenging to the point that it becomes overwhelming and it's just too much to handle. Why do you think people believe that? Well, for one, again, that idea of not believing that you can change. For me, my, my story that I would always tell myself is I wasn't capable of changing. Just who, again, back to that, this is who I am. This is how I'm wired. I'm never going to change. I can't change. And that was the story that I would tell myself. And so when you're constantly telling yourself you can't change, you're obviously not going to change because that's the whole back to the whole thought process and neural pathway thing. I think that was the biggest lie that I told myself. And I would even see stories of people doing, you know, making these transformations and doing cool things after having made this huge change. And so, yeah, that's really cool and inspiring, but I can't do that. I'm not them. They're wired differently than me. That was the biggest hurdle for me. 
I had to open my eyes up to the idea of no, you can change. And I think the other thing is, is that change seems hard sometimes because it's overwhelming the magnitude of where you're starting and where you want to be. Mm -hmm. If you get too lost in the gap between, you get kind of paralyzed by fear. I used to use this analogy that you walk into a room that you want to clean and there's just crap. You can't see square into the floor. There's crap piled high all around and think, you know, up from the floor to the ceiling and wall to wall is just stuff. And you walk in and you just are completely overwhelmed by the enormity of what you have to do to clean that room that you just shut the door and you walk downstairs and turn on the TV. That is how I used to see change too, because it would just seem so overwhelming that I would do nothing. Somebody one day told me, start in the corner, just pick a corner and start. And so that whole, okay, I can't make the giant leap today, but I can do one thing today that gets me closer. And that goes against instant gratification and the whole, I want it now that I have a strong in my personality as well. I've dieted for two days. I want to have lost 20 pounds. And so I think that's the other thing is frustration with how long the process might take and wanting instant gratification. And if you can't see the changes you want right away, you tend to give up and get frustrated. So I've suffered from all of those. Well, and, and you really are a product of our society. We have really grown into a microwave society where we just want things now. You throw it in, you turn on the timer for a minute, and voila, you have a meal that's prepared for you. And that expands beyond food in all areas of our lives. We uh, want to see change. We want to see progression. We want to see a, a bank account. And we want to see fitness and health all happen to us just like that without the effort and without the patience. And I think that we have uh, really shot ourselves in the foot with, with that mentality because then when it doesn't happen immediately, we say, forget it. I'm just not going to do it. Like you said, I'm just going to go watch TV. Yeah. Yeah. So it, that reminds me of one of the things we were talking about uh, earlier prior to our call, but the, the stages of change. So let me just go through them. First stage of change is pre-contemplation where you're ignoring the problem. So like if we use your messy room as an example, that would be closing the door and just putting a sign on the door that says, for your own health, do not walk in this room. <laughs> Yeah. So that's stage one, pre-contemplation and just ignoring the problem. The next step for, um, or the next stage of change is stage two, which is contemplation, which is you're aware of the room, you're aware of the problem, and you, you begin to weigh the pros and cons. It's like, yeah, I know the room is really messy, but is it really worth going in and cleaning it up? What would be the benefit versus, oh my gosh, that's going to be so much work? And they kind of go in and out of that, right? And then there's stage three, which is preparation. It's like, hmm, all right, all right. I'm going to get ready. I'm going to get ready to go in and clean up that room. I'm going to start thinking about what is my process? What is going to be my organization? I'm going to start in one corner, and I'm just going to go from there. That would be stage three. Stage four is action. This is where you're actually going in and doing it. Where, where you actually go, okay, I'm taking the, the lock off the door. I'm going to take the sign off and I'm going to actually walk in and I'm just going to choose the one corner where I'm going to start and I'm going to begin there. And this, when, when I coach people, I always say, just 
stay in there for 10, 15 minutes before it gets overwhelming. Leave before it's overwhelming. Leave at a point at which you are excited to come back and do it again. But if you set yourself up for the finish line is, I'm not leaving until I complete the whole room, you're setting yourself up for failure. And this goes right back to what you were talking about a little bit this week and then at last week's call, which was chunk it down, make it smaller, make it manageable, like have this big idea of what you want, but start in small pieces. And then there's stage five, which is maintenance. And maintenance is integrating the new behavior into your daily living. And let's not forget that there typically is a relapse or... <laughs> Right. Relapses that happen anywhere along this this cycle. Yeah. Right. So what would you say you are in terms of your life changes that you've made? Where would you say you are along these stages of change? I would say that I'm in the maintenance phase with numerous periods of relapse. Growth <laughs> 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 is not linear. <laughs> I, I don't I have my moments that are not so stellar, but for the most part, I would say I'm probably in the maintenance phase, but then again, you know, there's other areas that I'd like to change. You know, it's a constant growth process. So while I'm in the maintenance phase in some areas, I'm probably in the pre-contemplation phase of others yeah. that may not even show up yet. I, I think the best answer would be I probably in all of them all at once, depending on what I'm talking about, because there's still so much change and growth that I intend to do. I just don't even know where that where those areas are at the moment. So, but for the most part, probably maintenance with areas of relapse. And it's, I spend a lot a lot of my time oscillating between the contemplation and action phase. And I would think about it, and I'd think about it, and I'd start to take action, and then I would talk myself out of it, and then I'd jump drop back down into okay, I'm thinking about it. Okay, I'm gonna take action. Okay, no that's too much. And so I spent a lot of time bouncing back and forth in that area. Finally just got tired of it. Stick with the action. I actually love what you said that in some, in some areas of your life, you're in maintenance in some areas, you might be in relapse in some areas you might be in contemplation. That's, that's like the perfect picture of the person who continues to grow constant growth. And sometimes we can get addicted to that. And then that just gets overwhelming and, and makes us want to go back to bed. Right. So you have to be. You do have to be careful about that, but to have this open mind and this willingness to say, "Oh yeah, man, I'm in maintenance here, and I've been here for for quite a while," which then gives me motivation and energy to be able to begin contemplating something else. Yeah, yeah, like your business that you're starting. Mm -hmm. The work that you've done to get out of the job that was sucking the life out of you, and now you're in more of a maintenance place with that that fuels you then it opens up space and energy to put into something else into contemplation like the business, which is also continuing to move along those stages. Yeah, it's a constant moving cycle. Yeah. And it's never stagnant. And it, it's actually, the more I get on, on, on this line of change, the more fun it is really because I'm just curious, like what am I gonna do next? So <laughs> it's just fun to think about where I might be in four or five years. And, you know, what, what changes will have to come up in between then and, and just being curious about it kind of makes it fun. That's so insightful. And it leads right into this next question, which is what do you think your unique skill is that has helped you step in this more expansive 
curious life? Well, I'll start by saying that it was a skill that I've had to develop because I've not always had these skills, but I've been really able to be fairly open-minded through this process. And, you know, there's been a lot of times where you've asked me to do something and I've thought, oh my gosh, this is crazy or this is stupid or this is so not me, this is not going to work. Or, I mean, I would have every comment under the sun about it, including the <laughs> words probably, but I would just tell myself, you know what, just give it a try, be open-minded about it and do it and see what happens. So my ability to kind of go into something open-minded, be curious about it, and if it shows to be effective or if it shows a promise to actually change how I think about something based on what I'm presented with and not be so rigid in my thinking that I'm not able to take in new things and evolve my thinking or my behavior based on new information. Yeah. I would agree with you. I would agree that that you have an incredibly open mind and willingness to try things and make change. And yeah, sometimes it's met with resistance and yet you have the ability to go, okay, yeah, there's resistance. I'm going to give this a whirl anyway. And then on the other side, you see some benefit and then experiencing the benefit exactly what you're moving forward with trying the next thing that stretches you. I would agree with you. It's been a really unique skill. And, and I've had to develop it, but it, you know, for so long, and I think a lot of people are like this, you, you grow up with a certain set of thinking. And oftentimes it's what you're surrounded with. It's what you're taught. Like, this is how life is. This is how we behave. This is how we think. This is how we think about religion. This is how we think about politics or whatever. And so a lot of people are molded into that and they're just very singular minded and well, this is just how it is. And so to take time to stop and say, okay, I'm going to think about it in a different way and just explore and see if that's really how it is. See if that's really still how I feel. I, you know, that, that was a new experience for me because for a long time it was just, well, this is just how I think. So to stop and think, think of things outside of the box has been eye opening. And, and there has to be a benefit on the other side of that in order to continue to move through the discomfort. For people who are listening right now, what would you say your, the benefit has been for you, which might then encourage them to begin thinking differently and opening up their willingness to expand? Wow. Uh, well, for one, life is just more fun. I mean, really, it's again, that curiosity, you feel more free, you're, you're, you feel more authentic, like you get closer and closer to who you really are, and not who society tells you are, tells you you are, because it's very different, oftentimes. I think for me, just even this low level kind of undercurrent of misery that I lived with all the time, regardless if I was happy or not, I mean, I could be out doing something really fun and laughing and smiling, but there's always this kind of undercurrent of just being a little bit on the side of miserable. And it was because I was just living something untrue to who I was. And so I think that's the biggest benefit really is just the, it's freedom. It's really light. You feel lighter and you feel more free and you experience life more and you just have more fun. That's, that's huge. It's huge. And, and I love what you said, like you can, even, you can be out having fun with friends and and doing something, you have a smile on your face and maybe be laughing, but when there's that undercurrent of discomfort or, or, or misery, then it's only 
fleeting. That joy is fleeting because then when you take the distraction of being around other people away and you're left with that undercurrent of misery, yeah. it begins to grow and expand. It's almost like a drug uh, seeking their next high on the drug. They, they get a hit and they're really high and everything's great. And then they come down off of that and then they spend all their time seeking their next high. And so I spent a lot of time using you know, taking trips or doing things that were kind of extraordinary and over the top fun adventures to kind of keep that low level misery at bay. Like, and, I, and so I would go on a trip or do something, have a great time. And then I'd come home and back to my normal life and I was miserable. And all I could do was think about the next thing that I could do to make me happy. And so now it's kind of my baseline state is, is happy. And so when I go do fun things, it's, that much more fun. And when I come home and I'm not doing those kinds of things, I'm, I'm still in a much better place. And so things are more stable there. It's really cool to hear you say it that way because I observed that in you and to be able to put it into words the way you just did is really, really clarifying. And it's a great invitation for others to hop on board. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of room on the train. There's a lot of room on this train. Guess what? It never fills to capacity. On the midnight train to Phoenix. <laughs> oh, I like it. What's that saying? Go the extra mile. It's never crowded there. Right. Yeah. So as we're starting to wrap up our time together today, what would you say your new thorn bud and rose are? Well, it's not exactly new. And this may be a common theme going forward, but really my thorn right now still is in the training in terms of just focusing on letting go of the outcome because it does creep in a lot more than I'd like it to. As far as the, the bud, I'll, I'll scale back a little bit uh, and, you know, I, I really am looking forward to taper and quite honestly, I'm already starting to fantasize about when the race is over <laughs> I'm not training at all. But, uh, but I've also learned to look forward to just little small things from week to week. And so what I'm really looking forward to is, is just getting through this weekend and Monday is a rest day and I don't work. And so just having a day where I don't have anything on my schedule is something I really look forward to. And so bringing my bud back to a little more short-term thing, yeah. uh, I'll say that, that I, I really kind of latch on to those moments where I do can rest and relax and enjoy them. And you know what's so great about that? There was a time when you used to dread those days. Right. Oh my gosh. Oh, what am I going to do? I still struggle with that a little bit in terms of like being a little antsy that I'm not active and busy. But you get to a point where you do cherish them because you are so tired. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm really glad that I don't have to do anything today. Yeah. Falling in love with the magnesium baths. Yes. Yeah. What would you say your rose is? My rose. Well, in... The whole vein of letting go of the outcome and, and all of that, I will say, you know, what I can celebrate today is just everything I've done up to this point. I've really uh, worked hard. I've put myself into it. I've been focused and dedicated. And that was my main goal going in was to do something that forced me to be focused and committed over a long period of time to show that I could. Yeah. So the fact that I've been doing it for over a year now, which is a little bit longer than most people will be training, but I kind of needed the, the little head start and I'm still going strong. And, you know, I've got seven and a half weeks left. And you know, over the last 15 weeks, I've lost you know, 20 pounds, being really meticulous about my diet and 
So all in all, when I look at where I started and where I am today, it's already been a successful journey. So that's what I can celebrate. Congratulations. That's so, it's just so exciting. Kim, as we're finishing up the podcast today, what's the song that you've chosen? The song for today is by the Bodines. It's called Closer to Free. And there's a couple reasons. One is sometimes I put music on that just is fun and happy sounding and has a really fun beat and it just kind of makes you want to move and it just lifts your mood a little bit. And so this song is kind of that. And then also it's called Closer to Free and just everybody wants to be closer to free. You want to have good friends, you want to have a good time. And really we all do that. And, and the best way to do it is to kind of start into this idea of, of change and really becoming closer to who you are. And the closer that you can do that, and the, the more you can change, the closer you are free. So that's, that's why I picked that song today. That's fantastic. So we're going to go out uh, with that song. Thank you so Thank much, Kim, for your time today. And listeners, if you access the podcast today from my website at jillmsummers.com, please be sure to add your name and email on the right side of the page so you're automatically notified of the next podcast. It's time to sign off now. Have a fantastic week. And remember to always imagine the possibilities in your own life. Keep moving to live and living to move.
Thanks for being with us today. We invite you to join us on our mission to move people forward and upward. Go to jillmsummers.com. That's jillmsommers.com for more information and to listen to other inspiring podcasts. And remember to do one thing today that moves your life forward, which impacts others around you to do the same.